Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. And now, KC Johnson. Kobe White pull up three over Karis LeVert and nails it. Bulls insider for NBC Sports Chicago. Give me that song. Covering everything from the dynasty to DeMar, KC Johnson. I've covered the NBA for a long time. With Mullen Haw. Boss. the score. Mully at Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score. Casey Johnson joins us now on the Signature Bank Score Hotline. Signature Bank making commercial banking personal. Casey, good morning. How are you? Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? Good. So, I, I mean, listen, I know it was a, uh, a work trip, but uh, just curious, how was your time in, uh, in Paris? Yeah, I mean, you guys know how those international trips are. Um, you're very lucky to be sent there, so you got to take advantage. So, uh, work hard, play hard, sleep optional. That that was the uh, that was the approach, uh, and and uh, the approach was executed flawlessly. Uh, so, a lot of work, a lot of fun, spectacular city. Uh, thankful I got the opportunity to be there. Thank you very much for the Eiffel Tower, the mini Eiffel Tower that you brought into the studio that's sitting right next to me. <laughs> as you can see on the Twitch stream, I, I imagine that's from you, Casey. Is that correct? You, you brought it yeah, back? Yeah, it lights up. It was like a Euro, I think. You know, they, I'm sure it's going to last a long time. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm thinking of you guys. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. And, uh, and, and, you know, it was super cool to see, like, Joe Keem and his element and and you went to a Roland Garros to to watch him play. That's pretty cool. That I thought I saw Theo Cephalosha was there, and I thought, God, I haven't seen that guy in a while. That's you know, if ever there was a, a you know an international man, it would be him. Yeah, I mean the event itself, I mean, was spectacular. You mentioned the the Roland Garros uh, event that was the night before. I, I couldn't miss that opportunity to see. Joaquin playing basketball on the red clay where his father once won the French Open. So that was a pretty bucket list moment for, for me in my career. Um, and then, you know, the night of the game, I mean, you mentioned Cephalosha, but they were trotting out, you know, luminary after luminary, Magic Johnson, Adam Silver, uh, Luol Dang, uh, you know, Tony Parker. It was, it was pretty cool. Just uh, how warmly it was received. And it's, it's, it's really interesting also to just see how the game is received in an international market in, in a live setting, because, you really do kind of break out of the normal routine and understand that the NBA is a, is a, is a special elite league that we get to watch on a nightly basis. And these people only get to see it, you know, once uh, in, in decades. So um, they were very appreciative, very loud, very boisterous. So that, that was a pretty cool element to it as well. So Casey, the Bulls win in Paris. They come back and I think the days off helped them prepare for last night. They hold on against the Hawks and that's great. Tonight might be when you start to see maybe the effects of having uh, a European vacation or a work vacation, if you will. And I wonder if tonight is when you expect, of all four games and six nights stretch, tonight might be the toughest one to muster the energy, to see the bounce back. Is tonight going to be 
uh, a challenge the Bulls can overcome. Yeah, and it is a good Pacers team. Obviously, they're without Halliburton, which which will help. Um, and it is a shorter road trip. Just the mental component to it is, you know, made up a big line of our questioning of late because, you know, here you come off of an international trip, you get a couple, you know, get the blood flowing, get the sleep regulated practices over the weekend at Advocate Center. You take care of business last night, but then you're packing again to go on a three game trip. I mean, that's just got to have a mental strain to it. You you can roll your eyes at it, you know, maybe a little bit if you're not in the NBA, but but trust me that 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 is a that is a difficult thing to do. So it is a test tonight, and you know one thing that you've heard Billy Donovan talk consistently about is this team, you know, needing to play with more consistency. And I thought uh, an encouraging element to last night's victory was they shot incredibly poorly to start that game, but it, they didn't really let it uh, impact their defensive effort. They they that they didn't let it bleed to that end. And, and then their offense came around and they were able to, to pull out that victory. So um, you, you like to see a consistent response tonight because, you know, this schedule presents an opportunity. You've got, uh, like I said, Halliburton out tonight, and then you've got two teams uh, for the rest of the trip in Charlotte and Orlando that are on paper, you know, teams that you can beat. So you've got an opportunity to go above 500 here if you take care of business. And that's a big deal for them because it hasn't been that way in a very long time. And, you know, they're, they, it feels like they're heading in the right direction. And, and, again, beating teams you're supposed to beat is a pretty big deal. And maybe if Patrick Williams now has discovered his game, I, and I, I, I said to David, I thought he played great in the fourth quarter. It, it, what do you have, nine points, five rebounds, I believe, uh, is, is the final tally. We saw him with a double-double for the first time this year. He hasn't had 10 rebounds all year, so it was good. And you, you wrote that uh, that Billy was on him about that. So, you know, really good performance by Patrick Williams. Yeah, and, and you know, scoring we talked about, there's just not going to be a lot of opportunities for him if he remains in that starting lineup. He's the fourth option. Um, but he has hit double figures in four straight games in five of his last six. But beyond that, you mentioned the the rebounding, Molly. And, you know, he has the physical tools to be an elite rebounder. He's got incredible jumping ability. He's physical. Um, he's got that springiness where he doesn't need a lot of gather to, to you know, hit the, hit the floor and get up high and, and do it uh, in succession. He's got the ability to, you know, jump quickly twice. So he's averaging 4.1 rebounds and that's just too low for a starting power forward in year three. And um, you mentioned the double, double, it is his first of the season, only the fifth of his career. Um, and Billy Donovan said, you know, I, I want to see that consistently. I, I want to see you become a double digit rebounder. And, you know, he, yeah, that doesn't mean you're going to get 10 every night, but uh, what it means is that you can do it more often than, than what you've done. And, it just comes down to aggressiveness and just wherewithal and, and knowing where the ball is and that kind of stuff. So we'll see how Patrick takes it. He, you know, he, he always is very coachable. He accepted the challenge. Um, but I'd like to see that those, those rebounder, rebounding numbers go up. You know, I think the double-double for Patrick Williams stood out. But I think also the defensive overall performance from Alex Caruso did as well. It, it, it's – you know, one of those things maybe you start to take for granted. This guy is always locked in. He's always intense. But last night, I think that he just reminded us, if that's the right word, or just confirmed everything we thought we knew about him. He, at times, 
KC seemed to dominate that game defensively. That's perfectly spot on. I mean, an elite defensive game. It was funny because I, I talked to him at shoot-around and I wrote a story off of him after shoot-around that was focused on how Billy Donovan, as far back uh, as training camp, made it clear that a, a major focal point of this season was keeping him on the floor more often and healthier. You know, obviously you can't control flagrant fouls like the one that Grayson Allen delivered last season, but he only played 41 games last season. He's up to 40 already this season. He's playing four minutes fewer per game. And the plan is working because you need him on that court. He leads the NBA in deflections for 36 minutes. He's second overall in total deflections. And, you know, he's part of basically every positive net rating unit that the Bulls put on the floor. I mean, he just, he obviously always has impacted the game beyond box scores. He hit some threes last night. He's shooting 39% from three, um, scored 12 points. But offense is never going to be his calling card. You nailed it. There was that one stretch where he just basically stole Trey Young's soul. I mean, the guy was everywhere. It's hard to overstate how well defensively he played last night. Um, DeMar DeRozan hit his thousandth career game. Uh, we were talking about that a little bit this morning. That that is extraordinary, and and as you pointed out, um, in an era now where there is you know. Uh, injury management, time management, he is, he kind of stands as a, as an unbelievable example. And, you know, part of that may be that he played, and, and I said this before, I don't mean it negatively, but he, he played in Canada and in San Antonio. It's almost like not the most, like he never really got the credit he deserved um, I mean, everyone knew he was a good player, but I think that coming to Chicago has helped him in his career and it's helped the way people view him. Right. And obviously the, the, the level that he's playing at, which has been, been yeah. at, an elite, at an elite level all NBA last year, will be in that conversation again this year. You know, it's funny because some people, you know, he's the 151st player to play in a thousand regular season games. So some people are kind of downplaying that. And I get it. I just personally love that kind of stuff. I've always been into uh, those kind of milestones because I love durability. I love longevity. I love double-digit NBA careers. So it was funny, guys. We, you know, we, we get these opportunities on the road to get a little bit more private access and, and have more one-on-one. So I, I went back to him as far back as early December. I, I remember distinctly where we were. We were at a shoot-around in San Francisco the morning of the Warriors game. He was at 978 games there, and I just figured I'd, you know, you guys know how this business works. You, you do the interview, you, you stockpile it. So I went up to him, and I was like, hey, man, you're approaching 1,000 games. And he's like, for real? <laughs> he, he didn't even – he didn't even, He was like, you know, because the guy's always just focused on, like, the game. And it and it, and it just it, – it morphed into this fascinating conversation about the load management era. And he's like, hey, man, when I, when I came into the league, if you were hurt and you didn't practice or play, someone took your job. So he's like, uh, that's just the mentality I've always had, plus I love to play. So, you know, it's it's always great to talk to him about something that has meaning because he really understands that moment and gives you a pretty in-depth conversation. Um, so I, I thought it was a neat milestone. I thought the Bulls did a nice job with a video tribute. And, and the, the fans gave a standing ovation, which was fantastic too. So DeMar was kind of smiling through it all. I asked him about that afterward. He said he just he, – he just – 
thinks it's funny because he feels like he's getting old and all these milestones are piling up. He hit 20,000 points <laughs> earlier in the season. So he just couldn't help himself but stifling a smile. Um, but he was clearly, uh, you know, touched by the moment. So that was cool. Casey, big week for the Bulls. are still under 500. And two weeks from Thursday is a trade deadline. And you saw some movement yesterday. The Lakers, they get rid of Kendrick Nunn. Hachimura comes back to them from the Wizards. And I wondered, number one, will that spark more activity, do you think? And secondly, where are the Bulls in their thought process? Are they going week to week? And where are we now? And Or are they uh, actively pursuing some possibilities uh, that might make them better? Well, like all teams, they're talking. I mean, that's what teams do at this time of year. As to your question about whether that will open the floodgates, I mean, this is historically when you start to see maybe one trade um, you know, opening a flurry, or, or but it's in general. This is from here to the deadline is when activity starts to happen because you start having teams recognizing, all right, we want to be a buyer or we need to be a seller. That that's that's the decision making process that teams um, have, are starting to to conclude at this point. Um, I can just tell you, you know, obviously you don't get much uh, from the Bulls themselves, but just in talking to teams or executives I know from around the league, I've been given no indication that the Bulls are in sell mode. You know, obviously that can change between now and the deadline, or if the right move comes along, that thinking can change. But that's the that's the impression around the league right now, is that the Bulls are not in sell mode. And I've said all along, you know, this call to blow it up, I just don't see that happening. I mean, that's what Arturis did to assemble this roster. He said many times he wants to see this roster together. It is pretty much healthy now, except for obviously Javante Green and, and the big one in, in Lonzo. Um, so, you know, I, I think they'll be listening. I think if the right move comes along, this management team has shown the capacity to get aggressive in a hurry. Um, but I personally do not see a major move of one of the big three between now and the deadline. Well, that's good. Uh, I, I mean, I, you know, I got to tell you, it, it's so much more fun if they if they just go on kind of a Boston Celtics type role, as uh, <laughs> David said last week, I, and that would be that would be absolutely wonderful to see. I don't know that they got it in them, but I think that they're they're better than some of these teams, Casey. And it's been frustrating the way they've been able to beat some good teams and then losing to bad teams, and that's. That's something to keep an eye on moving forward here, right? If if they're getting over five hundred, they need to they'll need to just start beating teams that they're better than. Yeah, and, and I think that has always fueled the belief within the locker room that I've written about many times. I've talked about with you guys many times because they have had that success against the elite teams. There is a strong belief within that locker room that this team can be a very good team, and you just need to see it on a more consistent basis. It's cliche, but it's true. I mean, you've had those letdowns, the Houston loss the Orlando loss, I can go on and on, you know. So you're almost like bracing for the next one, but maybe this team will surprise us and has has actually turned a corner. They have top 10 offensive and defensive ratings since that Minnesota debacle in mid-December. That's not not insignificant. So, um, you know, I think if they stay healthy and uh, stay intact, uh, you know, they're not a championship team in my estimation, but they certainly have the ability to do some damage if they can get to that playoff picture. So when you watch this team, because they have really yet to pick a lane, as you point out, it's it, they're flirting with 500. There are examples like the Celtics that they could take off, and there are a lot of veterans, and you have a coach that's respected in Billy Donovan. What kind of cues 
are you looking for over the next couple of weeks, Casey? Do you and and what have you found in the previous couple as we talked to you on a regular basis? But we always talk about a coach and his ability to reach players and whether or not they start to tune him out. We've talked about this before, but where are you at in terms of where this team is headed based on the direction Billy Donovan provides? You know, I, I mean, there's been so many moments this season where you feel like they've turned that corner that I was just talking about, and then they just come up with a deflating loss. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm, I'm bracing for that deflating loss that's coming. Uh, I've just seen it happen too many times. Maybe maybe I'll be surprised. As far as Billy Donovan, um, you know, this is a veteran-laden team. He's a veteran-favored um, coach. He's a player's coach. There's a lot of trust you know, that Billy is giving the right direction and a lot of freedom for the veterans to play how they want to play. So I don't think there's a Billy issue at all. I don't think there's a Billy, um, you know, story here. I, I just think it's a, it's a team that needs to play with urgency every night because, you know, when they don't, we've seen what can happen. And they've been doing that more often than not lately. Um, again, we're not throwing victory parades for a, you know, uh, whatever it is, 13 and six stretch since, since the Minnesota game, but they, they have played better. It's undeniable. So again, this week is a huge opportunity to meet because you can prove that these lulls are behind you by going three and one, four and oh, what have you. Uh, the opportunity is there. So big game tonight. Uh, I'll be in Indiana and, and looking forward to covering it. Great stuff, KC. Thank you, buddy. Great catching up with you. Really appreciate it. Thanks, KC. All right, guys. Good talking to you. Take care, man. And it, uh, that game will be right here on the score, and I believe the pregame starts at uh, 5.30. Is that right, Dustin? 5.45, I believe, 5:45. because it is the eastern time zone that they're going into, kind of the Paris of the Midwest in Indianapolis. What? <laughs> I'm just kidding. What a contrast. Last week in France, you know, <laughs> sipping the expensive wine, and now you kind of have to take – Imagine he's going, uh, might be flying, might be driving down I-65 to Indianapolis to see Bulls Pacers. The many years that I have uh, spent at the Combine have uh, led me to appreciate Indy as a town. And it just seems like on a yearly basis, there's like another steakhouse opening up. There's some great <laughs> steakhouses in Indy, and there's a really good fish house, if you like that sort of thing. Tremendous. It's a great yeah. city. Yeah. My son yeah. went to college at Butler. You know I am a big oh, yeah. indie fan, so I have been with you on some of those combine trips, so I definitely yes. concur. We've had a lot of fun. And and it really is like it's one of those towns that is very compact and, and you get kind of the downtown feel, but you're also basically, you know, you can walk through parking garages uh, and the in the mall and everything and you don't really have to go outside. It's they had a town. Super Bowl there. If I they know. can do it, Arlington Heights can do it. Yeah, well, they, you know, they've built the uh, the indoor stadium, so that's the difference, I suppose. That's the next step. That's what you have to see happen. All right, three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. It's Mully and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The score. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out of market regular season game on your favorite streaming devices, anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And the Bulls will advance around full court. And this ball game is over. As this crowd really got into this ball game tonight after a tough start. One would expect that after returning from Paris. But bottom line story, Bulls win. Bulls win. Bulls win 111 to 100 over Atlanta. Let's dance. We're back in the States, back in the USA. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6 7 to the score. That is uh, that is Chuck back in the USA. Yep. And uh, the Bulls a winner, and that's good to carry over the feel good. Uh, and we're going to get to your calls, 312-644-6767. Just wanted to, to, to tell you this uh, little piece of uh, Twitter news from Field Yates. He said, uh, the Texans will be interviewing Giants offensive coordinator Mike Kafka for the second time for their head coaching opening per a source. And, of course, we know that Mike Kafka – Former uh, St. Rita star, local guy made good, Northwestern star, has interviewed for three of the five head coaching vacancies after helping the uh, Giants turn over their season. Pretty two, good. Two thoughts on that. Number one, great young head coach, real bright mind. We saw that when he was in high school. You saw that when he was at Northwestern, and he's continued that in the NFL. And Mully, if he takes over as a Texans head coach, Again, to look through the Chicago prism, first-time head coach, offensive-minded head coach, would more likely be compelled to move up to do whatever they need to do to get their quarterback another very interested potential trade partner with the Bears who would be willing to give up more because you want teams like that who have questions at quarterback to be ones you want to make a deal with. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, there's a local connection, but he that's a team that needs a quarterback, right? I no mean, doubt. Davis Mills isn't the guy, and um, and they need to make a move. Why don't they trade up one spot, and then the Bears can trade from there, right? Yep. Let them take the top quarterback, and then they can trade a second time. And boom, 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 boom. Keep going down. Just keep, just keep going down one pick at a time. One pick at a time. You keep <laughs> making progress and moving forward. By moving down, if that makes any sense. Molly, before we get to the phone calls, another quick Twitter news. It broke last night. Did you see this? The Cardinals reportedly, the St. Louis Cardinals reportedly, Chip Carey is their guy in the booth. Yeah, I saw that. Following in the footsteps of his uh, grandfather. Yep. He uh, returned to, to St. Louis for the Carey family. Uh, he's already resigned from Atlanta, right? And he's uh, – He's there, and uh, I don't know, former Cub. Uh, we hate when the Cub guys go to the Cardinals, don't you? I mean, well, isn't that always – Ryan Terrio would say that he's now on the right side of the rivalry. Oh, don't, don't say that in front of Dustin. I'm saying that in front of Dustin on purpose. Oh, my God. <laughs> he uh, 
he hasn't forgiven him for that. Oh. He, he, you know, I mean, to this day, he no longer bows at the feet of the riot. The riot. All right. 312-644-6767. Herschel. Herschel's on the road. Hey, Herschel. Hey, what's up, guys? What's up, huh? Hey, Herschel. Um, I just want to shout out to um, Brandon um, for sitting next to Dustin all the time and being a cool guy. But I got to say, <laughs> what do you, what do you, yeah. Poor, poor <laughs> no, Brandon. <laughs> right, BP? <laughs> He's probably tripping out right now. But anyway, well, um, he, he said, Dustin said something to me earlier, talking, not me, but you, about we're one receiver away. We're way more than one receiver away, that's for sure. And number yeah. two, what do you think about Zach Levine getting traded to uh, Phoenix for A.J. Guyton? Because I think we need to get this guy out of town because he is something else. Well, Herschel, I know what you're saying there in terms of – but I don't think you mean A.J. Guyton as the former Indiana point guard. I think you mean DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Andre, DeAndre Guyton. Yeah. Although, th- yeah, th- thank you, uh, Herschel. Love your phone calls. A.J. Guyton, by the way, Molly, underrated Indiana point guard from the 90s. I think that uh, everyone – who followed oh, the Hoosiers? Yeah. yeah, way back in the day. Uh, oh, yeah. Dustin wasn't necessarily say Dustin in, in to defend he him. Did say that? No, no. Now he said they are a wide receiver away. He did say that. But I think he was kind of pushing back at this idea. We both believed that of the of the six teams that have not won a playoff game in more than a decade, the Bears were the furthest away. And Dustin was trying to argue, well, no, they're DeAndre Hopkins could help them win a playoff game. They need more than that. Yes. Yeah, and and I mean, and they're, go- they're and they're going to get more than that. Right, well, of they're course, going to but, get more than that. But that's not what you said. You no, said no, it was a pushback. Dave, David said, just to rewind the conversation all the way. David said that the Jets are just, just a quarterback, quarterback. away, yes. from winning a playoff game, and that's and why I, said, that's why I responded. That was okay. my smart aleck response. I okay, responded, but, and the Bears but, are just a wide but, receiver away. Yeah, but, but Herschel was correct. When he said that you said they were just a wide receiver. Well, Herschel, maybe, you, Herschel usually is correct. He's yeah, one of our maybe better he callers. Didn't, maybe he didn't embrace your sarcasm in quite the fashion <laughs> you meant it. Very few do, Molly. Very no, few do. I know. I know. I'm one you of the only speak guys listening for it. With a sarcasm font. That's what you should do. <laughs> or use. How do I do that? How do I do that on Twitter? That's, that's a good question. That is the eternal question. A lot of people would be more. Uh, uh, understood in a way that they aren't understood right now if they could use the sarcasm font. Also got a message on the Twitter text screen this morning um, saying that, Dustin, you are evil. And I thought, wow, that's that's a little like that's a little over the top. So I responded back to that uh, texter. And I said, evil? Yeah. Question mark. And he's uh, the, the, the guy listening apologized. He said, my daughter and I are watching the show on Twitch and she wanted to send in a message. I don't know why she sent evil. And then I said, well, thanks for listening, first of all, and thanks for watching the show on Twitch. I said, and maybe evil is like a good thing with the kids. You know, kids talk differently than adults. So maybe, you know, that guy's evil. Maybe maybe that's a good no, thing. No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't evil's, think, evil's evil. No. Evil hasn't become cool no, or anything. No. no. I don't, you're, you're the one with teenage daughters, I'm gonna but go, I, I don't I'm gonna, think Listen, so. this is going to be a, a conversation at the Rhodes dinner table tonight. Is, is, evil, is evil a thing? It's like there's, I think my daughter uses something. And I've I've run this past Brandon before as the youngest guy on the crew. Um, either it slaps or it smacks. Yeah, I heard that term before. Yeah. Both. Yeah. And it, but it's a good thing. Yeah. It, means, it slaps. It means it's good. It hits it hard. Smacks. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So there you go. I, I wouldn't ask your daughters that though tonight at dinner. Not unless you want to see them roll their eyes at dad. Oh, that, I mean, yeah. that's just if I open my mouth. Okay. I mean, come on. <laughs> 
I know um, you don't have children eating at home anymore, David, but yeah, they just roll their eyes. <laughs> that's That still happens more, more than you'd think. Uh, Let's get to Dean. Dean's in Mar- Mount, what the heck? Morton Grove, for God's sake. Hi, Dean. Hello. <clears throat> don't feel bad. No one knows where Morton Grove is. I know exactly where it is. I, I oh, good. I dated a girl one time in Morton Grove. Ah, I almost, very good. I almost I almost said Mountain Gove. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, well, it occurred to me there is a Sox player who left for uh, much wider fame, uh, but he didn't leave Chicago, so perhaps we need an asterisk there. But I was thinking of Sammy Sosa. Hmm. Oh, wow. Well, that See, was – yeah, a former Sox player went to the Cubs, did not leave town, did not win anything except for a division title with the Cubs. He won um, the love and respect of Dustin Rhodes. I believe Dustin, even when Sammy was caught with the corked bat, Dustin was bowing to him. <laughs> Might have been. A lot of people. I was what? a little disappointed in the corked bat. Yeah. But you were bowing. Pre-corked bat, absolutely. I was in the bleachers. I had a huge replica of an SI cover that he was on that I was holding with about five of my friends um, out in the outfield in the uh, right field bleachers as he came out and, and uh, you know, saluting you, the fans as he always did. Did you think that uh, that he was a, a, you know, did you think of him as an ex-White Sox player? Did you think I, I, that the Cubs got away with one? Or I don't did you th- think that – Not at the time. I don't think people was, did that. Not at the time. I mean, yeah. he, it was a great trade, and it certainly goes down as a technically Sox to Cubs, but I don't think people looked at it. Was, wasn't he at Texas? Wasn't he – where did the Cubs get him? He didn't – he went uh, – he was a – he had time with the Rangers – yeah, but then they went to from the Sox in that famous trade. That was a, wasn't that the George Bell trade? Yes, absolutely. Oh, from George, yeah. Bell. George Bell. And and Sammy was like a skinny guy that you know he changed a lot. That's right, he a, definitely changed right. a lot. Hey, Flintstone vitamins and Armor hot dogs. Okay. Yeah, and you bowed to that, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And, I did. I, they, I did bow to him, and I'm proud of it. He was a fantastic. Would, he was a fantastic back, right fielder would, for the Cubs. Would you go bow for him? I don't know back. that I'd bow, but I, I'm not against. I'm not against the Cubs bringing him back just to end. Yeah, that's a conversation they need to have. Just to end all the stupidity of constantly yeah. asking Tom Ricketts about it. Aren't the Cubs not bringing him back though for a reason? Well, he said that the chapter. Tom said at the at CubsCon that the chapter's not closed, but he's his stance is if the Hall of Fame isn't willing to accept him and vote on him, then the Cubs shouldn't be either. Also, at least that's how I'm reading. Ryan anyway. Sandberg, who went into Ryan, Rhino, the, the next statue that will be outside Wrigley Field, he started up a little bit by talking about Sammy and what Sammy needs to do. So there, there's a conversation that needs to happen for the Cubs to uh, feel better about it. But I think that time has come and it's past due. So I hope they have that in the off season sooner the better for everyone. David, you ought to fly down there and straighten the whole thing. Out. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what. <laughs> Been there, done that, tried it, exactly. tried that once. Didn't go so well. Got down to Miami and Sammy changed we've, his mind. We've got we've got Coach Wanstead. He'll join us next. It's Molly and all the score. Hola, Sammy Sosa here, and I love Armahado so much. Dave Wanstead, Bears head coach for six years. The Bears. The Bears. Super Bowl champion. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Great mustache. Some say it's a symptom of manliness. Others a cause. The mustache. Wani. 
hanging out with Molly and Hawn. Open up the door. It's Dave. Who? Dave. D-A-V-E. Dustin, I, we're not going to waste airtime on that, okay? Thank you. Next question. <laughs> thank you. Next question. Thank you Next very question. Much. Dave Wanstead. Molly and Hawn, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to the score. Always a joy to talk to Coach Wanstead. He joins us now on the Signature Bank score hotline. Signature Bank making commercial banking personal. Dave, good morning. How are you? I'm doing good, Molly, David. Uh, yes, everything is uh, is good. And uh, actually leaving Florida here uh, tomorrow and heading back to Chicago. So uh, it's been a good trip, business trip, getting this house squared away. But uh, it's all good. Everything's good. Make sure you bring uh, appropriate clothing, Dave, because uh, no boat <laughs> shoes allowed. Uh, guess what? I I got that. I don't have any summer clothing anymore, so I'm in good shape. <laughs> so, so, Dave, over the weekend watching these games, Molly and I have been talking about them, and certainly there wasn't the drama that maybe you wanted. They weren't the four greatest games you'll ever see, but I think they ended up with the four best teams. Would you agree with that? Uh, definitely. I, I I did. The only game that got me a little bit, to be quite honest with you, I really thought I, I like Cincinnati. I liked, uh, obviously, Philadelphia. I, uh, I like Kansas City. I thought the Cowboys would win. And, uh, yeah, I, I just felt like after they performed at Tampa and, and the confidence that Dak Prescott showed of making quick decisions and the ball coming out quick and, and they figured out the running back thing with Tony Pollard and Zeke, uh, how they were using those guys most effectively. I just felt like the Cowboys were going to do it. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously Tony Pollard going down was really a blow for the Cowboys. And, I mean, it's a blow for the kid because he's headed to free agency and now he needs surgery, and that's rough stuff. It, it is. It, uh, you know, he was there – him and C.D. Lamb, it was obvious on TV – that they were the only two guys that they had confidence making big plays. Uh, in fact, to me, it got overkill with C.D. Lamb. It was almost like C.D. Lamb on a reverse. Put him in the backfield. C.D. Lamb pitching the ball. Uh, so, you know, it, it was a little bit overkill. I thought that they could have mixed it around a little bit more. But when you look at the numbers, Zeke's just not the same Zeke, guys, as we remember at Ohio State. I mean, he didn't get much done running the football when, when it was his game to win. So, Dave, you speak cowboy. Help us out here. I look at Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy, and together I'm not sure they're good for each other any longer because I'm not sure that uh, one needs the other. Or we, Dak needs a better coach, and Mike McCarthy might need a different quarterback, and I don't know about that moving forward. And yet Jerry Jones claims that there are not going to be any changes. What do you expect? What do you hear when you hear them talking about the future? Well, the only thing – there's a concern when I look at the Dallas Cowboys, if I'm Jerry Jones, is losing Dan Quinn on defense. I mean, that truly the last couple of years has really been the mainstay of that team. It's been their defense that's been cons- more consistent than offense. And uh, if he leaves and takes a couple assistants, uh, you know, then you get into free agency. I think that'll have more of an impact than anything. And I think Jerry's probably looking at it and saying Dan Quinn's probably going to get a head coaching job. Uh, do I want to make a change with the head coach and lose the coordinator? Uh, total instability. I, I, it was sad for Dak because I'm afraid that what we see is what we get. 
that Dak is a very good quarterback, but he's not in that upper tier. And can you win a Super Bowl with a quarterback that's not in the upper tier? I tried it at Miami. We had a top five defense like the Cowboys. We led the NFL in rushing with Ricky Williams. And then when we got down to Jay Fiedler versus Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, you know, obviously you're talking about different players, good players as compared to Hall of Fame players. That's a concern. I don't see that changing with Dak Prescott. I don't think it's the coaching. I really don't. Uh, Dave, I, I mean, personnel decisions, right? How in the heck do you go into that game with Brett Maher and then the guy gets a, a, an extra point blocked? And, you know, there was times in that first half where you felt like they were coaching around their kicker concern and maybe they would have ended up with a halftime lead had that not been the case. Yeah, you're right. Uh I was curious to see how they played that out. They did sign another kicker. They brought another kicker in. They practiced them both. And obviously, Mayer did good enough during practice that they had confidence in him. That's- Uh-oh, we lost Uh-oh. Dave. We lost Dave. He's uh, fine. I, there we go. I, I think, yeah, I, I think if, if you go out in practice and he's missing kicks, then you got to make a change. Dave, so let's go back to this coaching thing because – Nobody values a defensive coordinator position for the Cowboys more than you do because you've been there. And Dan Quinn, you're right. I think he could. you can make the argument he's the most valuable coach on their payroll. If you're Jerry Jones and you're afraid of losing him, would you fire Mike McCarthy to make room for Dan Quinn? I'm sure Jerry's thinking about it. Uh, I, you know, I'm sure that he's thinking about that. Uh, would I do it? I... You know, it's so hard, guys, when you're not sitting in those meetings and you're you're having everything explained to you from top to bottom. It, you know, and, and you know, it's it's tough for me to say that. Uh, initially, I would say no. I would say no. Uh, I would not fire Mike McCarthy and make Dan Quinn the head coach. I wouldn't do that. Uh, you know, we all saw Dan Quinn as a head coach with a 28-point lead at halftime in a Super Bowl and lose the game. So, you know what I mean? I still haven't, I still haven't got over that one. That's on his resume. That's true. So there you go. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, that's pretty funny. Uh, Dave, when, when we talk about the teams that came out of those games, you know, Jacksonville loses, and they're feeling great about themselves. The Giants lose, and they're like the biggest target out there for everybody in New York going after them. Obviously, Dallas, that's an unacceptable result. Buffalo, you're at home. You've got, you know, what you think is a Super Bowl team, and you lose again at home. It's snowing, for God's sake, in Buffalo. I mean, I, I don't know what the takeaway is for those teams, but it is, it is an, it's, a, it's kind of a bitter one. Uh, other than the Jags, I don't think anyone comes out of that weekend clean. I think everybody is up in arms and throwing their hands up and trying to figure out what's going wrong. I think the Giants, yeah, the Jaguars are really excited. And I thought that they would, uh, you know, Jacksonville's a small town. I thought everybody would be patting them. Everyone's, you know, loving them, patting them on the back all week. I, I thought that they would come out flat, give those guys, give Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson credit. 
the Giants are what they are. They need more players. But they did. I think the Giants did a great job because they know what they can do with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. You know, they got no receivers, though, to speak of. So I'm not discouraged by the Giants at all. The one that you said, Molly, I mean, it – I talked to someone in Buffalo yesterday. It is so disappointing, and I don't know if the whole Demar Hamlin thing took took the you know the the uh, energy out of them or what happened, but they, they that was pitiful. They got out physical, and yeah. Cincinnati had three new starters on the offensive line, and and Joe Mixon they ran the ball down their throat. They out hit the Buffalo Bills. I mean, the leading rusher for Buffalo was their quarterback. And what do you have, 25 yards, Josh Allen? He was terrible. He didn't throw a touchdown pass. If you would have said that going into that game, uh, you would have never dreamed that in a 1,000 years, that they would have been that bad across the board. Offense, defense, they, they they, they weren't the team ready to play. Emotionally, they had nothing in the tank. All right. We're, Coach, we're going to get to the, the uh, championship games. We'll get your take on the two games and, and what you see happening next. We'll do that when we return. It's Mully and Haw. It's Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 